randomized attacks, fist fights with brass knuckles, and in one case, death. These aren't violent activities set in video games or even dangerous alleyways, but in fast food parking lots in affluent East Valley neighborhoods. They call themselves the Gilbert Goons, a group of teenagers filming themselves viciously assaulting their peers at random to share on social media. Their terrorizing began back in 2022, when a 16-year-old was beaten unconscious at a house party in Gilbert. Less than two weeks later, another at an In-N-Out Burger parking lot. The police did not connect these two attacks. Less than a year later, another, then another. The acts of violence went unconnected for months and has now led to many children with brutal injuries. And even one, Preston Lord, was left for dead. Welcome to The Gaggle, a politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm producer and host Kaylee Monahan, And I'm Amanda Luberto, also a producer and host. Throughout this election year, we'll occasionally be hosting The Gaggle, digging into stories the Republic is covering, and asking, what are the political repercussions? Our colleagues Robert Englund and Elena Santa Cruz have been at the helm of the Gilbert Goons story for weeks, shining a light on a tragic and mishandled case unraveling in the East Valley. Today, they'll update us on their reporting and help us understand what impact this could have on future elections. Elena, Robert, thanks so much for sitting down on the gaggle. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. At this point, I'm sure many of our listeners are aware of at least the gist of the Gilbert Goon story, but let's go ahead and do a brief overview of events, starting with who the Gilbert Goons are. Robert, we'll start with you. The Gilbert Goons are a group of affluent teenagers within the Southeast Valley. They come from different high schools, different backgrounds, but what we've come to describe them as is a group of mostly affluent teenagers in the Gilbert area. Again, the, the word I use is loose, but we have noticed that the same individuals have cropped up in different beating videos and different videos and photographs of drugs with guns, hanging out and doing things with cars, and a lot of, well, for want of a better term, crime. And these are not kids that you would normally associate with a street gang, but certainly that's where the police are headed with this investigation. How long has this activity been going on before it started getting properly reported? Well, in December 2022, so now that we're in January, we were saying at least two years back we've heard. But in December 2022, we know of like two attacks that happened, in which case a kid got arrested and, you know, he served time for. So it was reported, but there's a sprinkle of attacks in 2023 that we know about and some weren't reported, some were and nothing was done about it. So it took some time to get things reported, but it also took time essentially for police to connect these attacks together. Look, these attacks have been going on for a year unchecked by Gilbert police. The attacks occurred in mall parking lots, fast food restaurants, parks, and house parties. And the Gilbert goons would record them and share them on social media. They were out there. And 
Gilbert police, most of the attacks took place in, in Gilbert. We've called it the nexus of the attacks. And what these attacks are is these guys would show up at a place and apparently randomly target teenagers for group beatings. This isn't like a fist fight at a school. These are brutal attacks. I call them blitz style attacks. They use brass knuckles. They use feet. They use hands. And they swarm their victim. And they leave them bloody and lying on the ground, in some cases unconscious. They've sent kids to the hospital. One victim incurred a $14,000 medical bill. Another had to have his head stapled. So these are violent, violent attacks. And they'd been going on for at least a year. And we, we knew this because we found the videos. The catalyst for our investigation was the murder of a 16-year-old by the name of Preston Lord at a Halloween party in Queen Creek on October 28th. He was attacked, left on the side of a road in a suburban neighborhood. He died two days later. And what started emerging were these accounts of these attacks. And we were able to connect individuals who were named in that attack to other attacks by the Gilbert goons. And the most shocking thing was we didn't have to work hard at it because one of the individuals named in the attack actually posted what appeared to be a confession on social media days after the kid was killed. He wrote, this is almost verbatim, I hit a kid, I knocked a kid on the ground, other people stomped him, and then I later heard he died, IDK. Of course, that means I don't know, but what, the big shrug after you murder a kid? But that individual was involved in other attack videos, and he was involved in other incidents involving the Gilbert goons. We later learned that that same individual, we were told, there's an account by his former girlfriend whose mother talked to us. And she was at the party with this guy. She was waiting for him in a car, and he got in the car just after the beating of Preston Lord occurred. And he looked at her according to her account and said, I just knocked that guy out. And they drove off. So these attacks, they were indiscriminate. The victims themselves, they were not in any way connected to each other. They would just randomly target a young person? Or were there some like, we've been tracking this guy, we don't like him for X, Y, and Z? Well, it's both. In some attacks, it was random. Other attacks, there may have been a reason as to why an individual attack. There's one attack in which a kid had been receiving threats at school, and he reported the threats to the school resource officer, and the kids got, quote unquote, mad at that. So then they started threatening him further and went after him. But in others, these kids, they just don't know their attackers, so it's pretty random. So it's a mix of both. There's, For some of them, there's some reason as to why they may have been attacked. The others, it's just random blitz-style attack. The big question is, are these victims connected? Is there any reasoning for why they're picking these students? As Elena said, these appear mostly random attacks. There is, as far as we can tell so far, no race component. The people being attacked, the, the thing that links them together is they're teenagers and they're high school students. But again, the victims come from different high schools. They come from different backgrounds. They were attacked at different places. In many cases, they didn't know the attackers, but they were playing out mostly, again, in Gilbert. Um, we, we have attacks now in Gilbert, Mesa, and Santan Valley, and of course, Queen Creek, the murder of Preston Lord. So clearly, the entire valley has been shocked by this story. It's extremely violent, and it's hard to wrap your head around. But I guess a burning question for everybody is, how could this happen? Why was law enforcement 
not more proactive in pursuing the perpetrators, especially if it's been going on for quite a while? That is the number one burning question because we have documented attacks, at least I believe four or a good handful at like Gilbert in and out within that year period that they went unchecked. Gilbert police say when we first asked them about the goons that they didn't have that name in any of their reports. Nobody pointed a finger to them, um, no suspect, no victim. So that's what their argument was and that they hadn't heard of the term until around the time of Preston Lord's death via social media. Now they say victims have since referred to their attackers as the Gilbert goons or as being part of the Gilbert goons, but they never have said why they couldn't connect these attacks between the assailants or to the group, the Gilbert goons. It's really incomprehensible. What the police chief told us was none of the victims named the Gilbert goons, so we had no way to connect the crimes, which if you think about it, imposes an incredible standard on crime victims, right? You're supposed to know the name of your attacker and their group affiliations. What does that say to victims of other crimes? I mean, do they exchange business cards with robbers? It's just unbelievable. And Gilbert police had information a year ago that there were gang attacks going on. And they arrested one individual in two separate attacks, both with brass knuckles, both that caused significant injuries to the victims. But they treated each case as an individual, a one-off, even though in the court records show that they documented that this was part of a gang or a group, a group of students. They prosecuted the individual. They convicted him. In the documents, in the court documents, that individual told police, we like to go out and attack strangers. He also made comments about wanting to die by police, and that was a noble thing. But it was right there in the report. So Gilbert police had the information, had the ability, and if they'd looked further, they would have found the social media videos because, again, these weren't being hidden. They were out there on social media. They were exchanged in private chats, private messages. They had the information, and they failed to link these cases together. As a consequence of that, attacks continued to occur. And one of the victim's parents says he is just conflicted or, or obsessed with the idea that if police had acted sooner, Preston Lord may not have been murdered. I can't answer for why they did that. Is the Gilbert goons a nomenclature that they gave themselves? Yes, we learn in court records in one of the arrests made in Pinal County, 20-year-old Jacob Huntington who was involved in a November attack, said in court records to police that he was associated with the Gilbert Goons and that the moniker originated in a Snapchat group chat. That was our first individual that claimed themselves in the public records to be part of the Gilbert Goons. We also found the name Gilbert Goons on social media. That's where our, when we started this investigation, Elena found references on a SoundCloud. I found references on Snapchat. So, so it was known. That's, that's how we put this thing together. Since this is The Gaggle and we cover politics on this podcast, I want to drill down more on the political fallout of all this. As you mentioned, Robert, you know, this is Gilbert and Queen Creek and Mesa and Pinal County. So many places in the East Valley, and a lot of these places have been having meetings. So far, what sort of political fallout are we seeing from city councils? Are we hearing from also like community members demanding something be done? 
community is incredibly frustrated and upset with the Gilbert Town Council, specifically the mayor. And there's, I believe, a history of some fallout recently with the Gilbert Town Council already. And the first meeting since our report came out and since most of these attacks have really come to light since December last week, this meeting, many community members expressed in the public comment anger, disappointment towards not only Gilbert Police, but also the Gilbert Town Council and their lack of empathy. Again, specifically the mayor, I remember hearing those comments. What's come out of the meeting is, at least last week, after a long debate over what panel would oversee teen violence, the Gilbert Town Council has decided to create a subcommittee to investigate and study deeper this issue of teen violence. And three of the council members that are part of this panel have said that they this is in direct response to parents and community members who are who have been concerned about these attacks and to help provide transparency. So that's what's come out of that. Two weeks ago, which was two days after the Gilbert Town Council meeting, there was a Chandler Council meeting in which many community members went to. And from what I saw and heard is that that was a completely different feel of a meeting. It was more hope and more action and empathy being felt by the town council Last night, so a week ago, (laughs) Queen Creek Council had their first meeting, I believe, since December, and the mayor expressed they condone teen violence. And again, it was just a very different feel. Everything is just pointing to Gilbert, and that's who most of the community is angry with. Yeah, I think you have to separate the murder of Preston Lord as much as you can, the investigation of the murder from the attacks. Now, Queen Creek hadn't had any prior attacks that we know of. Again, these videos and this attack information is emerging daily. But Queen Creek hadn't had any any known attacks by the Gilbert goons, and then the Preston Lord murder occurred. Insomuch as that could be connected to the goons, Gilbert was seeing a string of attacks and did nothing. And that has left community members outraged. They've had rallies, they've had marches, they've had vigils. The family of Preston Lord has spoken about this. In fact, Preston Lord's aunt said our story, our investigation that prompted all this finally gave them voice about what they would felt and what they'd known all along about the murder. But nobody had said it. This just keeps building and building and building, and there doesn't seem to be a release valve. So there's, there's tension in Gilbert, there's tension in Queen Creek, but they're different pieces of a big puzzle. By contrast, Mesa PD was advised and had a report of a video. The attack occurred last year, but just at the beginning of this year, the victim came forward, there was a report filed, and Mesa PD, within basically within a week, made an arrest. That hasn't happened in Gilbert, so there's, there's a lot of frustration. There's also political anger and frustration at the state legislature. One of the victims in these attacks last year thought he could do something good with what happened. He was attacked with brass knuckles. So he reached out to several state legislators and asked them if there was a way to create legislation to ban brass knuckles in Arizona. While they acknowledged sympathy for what he went through and certainly appreciated his intense interest in the subject, they didn't think there was much they could do. And he has been brushed aside, at least for now.
So as we've been discussing, a big part of this issue is that the police hadn't put the attacks under the same umbrella and hadn't been able to tie them together with the goons. Are you aware of how any of the departments are making changes in order to make sure cases like this don't happen again? And will there be any disciplinary action on the departments? We don't know what is happening internally at Gilbert. And again, I hate to focus on Gilbert, but that's that's where the focal point of this investigation is. Gilbert PD has, since our story came out, they they have reopened or opened nine total cases. And last week, they made the first arrests in these cases. But what they did there is staggering too. When they announced the first arrest... And they insisted that they arrested one person involved in one attack that we had outlined, we had described in our original investigation. They maintained for hours that day that they had only made one arrest. We obtained documents, their own charging documents, showing they had actually arrested four people, cited and released three of them and arrested one or took into custody one. They denied it. They said, no, only one person has been arrested. When Elena presented them with the documents that we obtained, within 30 minutes, they changed the story, put out a press release that said, you know, we, we arrested four people in this case without explaining any of it. They just acted as if, oh, yeah, by the way, we arrested four people. It gets even weirder. We examined a lot of videos, a lot of attack videos. We watched it. We tried to, we did what you asked. You know, we tried to understand the makeup, the demographic of the people involved. They were predominantly white. White teenagers was what is immediately obvious when you watch these videos. The first person that Gilbert police arrested was black. And after having watched all those videos, I I was taken aback by that. Not that he isn't a perpetrator. You can see in the video But that was the one person they wanted to make sure we knew they arrested. And then they tried to hide the fact that they arrested three others. Giving Gilbert police the benefit of the doubt. They couldn't connect the dots, as the police chief said, because nobody ever used the word Gilbert Coons. On December 14th, we ran an investigation that laid out these attacks. And we published video of an attack on December 14th. This is an attack that occurred at an In-N-Out burger where a victim was beaten with brass knuckles. So they had that video. One of the suspects in that beating video was involved in a beating in a Mesa Park. That's the case that Mesa prosecuted within a week of being told about it. But Gilbert has yet to make an arrest of that individual in that video that we showed on December 14th. So we're running now more than 35 days later. Nothing has happened in that case to that individual. I'll go further. That same individual, his house was searched as part of the investigation into Preston Lord's murder. And I found a photograph of him posing with other Gilbert Goon members with guns. We also found two more attack videos. Again, one at the In-N-Out, one at the Mesa Park, and yet a third video of an attack involving the same individual. Again, they're group attacks, but Gilbert Police hasn't acted on any of that for your overall question about what departments are doing. We know that departments are looking into assault cases, teen assault cases, specifically Gilbert. They say they're doing a review of the past two years. They've said that since after a report came out and the nearby agencies have said at council meetings or online that they are paying attention to these types of cases and that 
these agencies have beefed up their patrol in areas where teens are known to congregate. Gilbert themselves, as Robert said, they have a total of nine active investigations. There's a handful of them that they have asked the community for help in identifying their attackers. And I have put screenshots on their website with that. So that's a reactive response we know of to what the department is doing. But in terms of future proactive measures, we just know that they have amped up their patrol in these specific areas, but nothing outside of that. Elena's being modest, too, here. She should explain to you what, what she revealed about Gilbert Police in these attack videos. So one of the cases that Gilbert had asked for the public's help on, and I was told that was because on December 22nd, they asked for help on a August 18th beating and identifying these attackers. I was told that was in response to, you know, the Preston Lord uh, homicide investigation, everything buzzing around that, and the information being requested on teen violence attacks. So we got a arresting document, a Form 4, on the individuals that were arrested in this August 18th attack. And it said that the victim in that attack told police that one of the kids involved in the attack, he said, gave them the name the night of the attack. So police went to that kid's house and they interviewed him and questioned him. That kid gave police a video of the attack because we know these kids filmed their attacks. They gave them a video of the attack, pointed himself out in the video saying, that's me running to the fight. But it was noted in the document that you couldn't see the kid attacking the victim. You could see him getting ready in like a, quote, bladed stance, a fighting stance, but then the video ended. So they questioned this kid, but nothing was done that night because they were unable to establish probable cause. So that's what we learned. And then the video was passed around school resource officers in the East Valley to try and identify additional attackers in the video. But nothing was done until really December 22nd. Between August 18th and December 22nd, there's nothing that we that is documented in that arresting document about what investigative action took place. Case was closed on October 2nd because it was inactive due to pending investigative leads. And then the week of our report, the case was reactivated and finally assigned to a detective. I still think Elena's being bashful here. (laughs) On December 11th, Elena asked the police department, the Gilbert Police Department, to explain the status of that case. They sent her documents that said, this case is inactive. Now they're saying they activated the case on December, wait for it, 12th. We published our first investigation on, on December 14th. And the next day, the father of that victim, who, by the way, moved his son out of the country because his son was having such fear over being attacked, that police came to him after the publication of the stories. He credited the media for renewing the investigation. But that's what happened. And if you can make that work in your head, you're doing better than I am. What has the response been like in schools in the East Valley? Do we know, have they upped resource officers' police presence? We can only come at this from what we're hearing from parents and students, which is that they have repeatedly told school officials about the goons, complained about the goons, expressed fear over the goons, expressed fear of attacks, and reported attacks to school officials. But what these parents and students say is that the schools have kind of brushed it aside. That's what we know. I believe that schools are starting to take note now. 
I want to kind of hammer back into the fact that both Gilbert and Mesa are having elections this year, specifically for mayor, I believe for other city council positions. Do you guys foresee that the Gilbert Goons are going to be affecting voters and what they do at the ballot box, potentially? I don't know about Mesa, but people are paying attention in Gilbert, and they have I've seen it from the community members that we talk to uh, routinely for the Preston Lord homicide investigation and all these goon attacks. I've seen them say, and like I said earlier, they've expressed anger at Mayor Bridget Peterson, and they are certainly paying attention, and they might use that when they go to the polls. First of all, we have to point out what Bridget Peterson's reaction to all this has been along with Police Chief Solberg, Gilbert Police Chief Solberg, which is to say that when we've asked them to discuss this, they have refused. In fact, for many weeks, we approached the mayor and asked her to talk. We called her on her cell phone and asked if we could have an interview. And her response when Elena called her was not to express frustration over the Gilbert Goons or the attack or the or sympathy in the Preston Lord murder. It was to be angry that Elena called her on her cell phone. The police chief, meanwhile, has refused to answer direct questions and has only made statements publicly at meetings. Neither the mayor nor the police chief have engaged in discussions about what they're seeing. They have addressed crowds of, of outraged community members by saying, well, we can't talk. My hands were tied. The mayor has now said she's, you know, she was gutted by this information when she found out about it. But her response to us was, you know, why'd you call me on my cell phone? So we know that there is some political fallout, too, in the Gilbert Town Council race that a candidate for mayor, Shane Krauser, has criticized the city's response and said it has left community members uncomfortable and unreassured. He um, marched in one of the Justice for Preston marches, and he has, again, publicly criticized the mayor for her response. We also know that two council members are the ones who put forward the idea of creating a subcommittee to study teen violence, not the goons, mind you, per se, but teen violence. And this subcommittee is, is nascent. It's just getting started. But there was some pushback during the council meeting where this was discussed, where different factions of the city council wanted to handle it differently. And I, I guess that's to be expected. But what the community saw was not a unified voice calling for either justice for President Lord or somehow to assuage the concerns of the community. What they saw was a lot of political infighting, and that's going to have fallout. Well, thank you guys for joining us on The Gaggle and for doing your very important reporting. If our listeners want to follow you on social media so that they can stay up to date, where is the best place to find you? Robert? You can reach me on X at Robert Anglin. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-A-N-G-L-E-N. For myself, Elena, on X, you can follow me at E-C-S-A-N-T-A-C-R-U-Z-3. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for your interest in this story. That's it for this week, Gaggle listeners. Do you have questions about today's episode or topics that you'd like us to cover on the show? Let us know. Send us a message at 602-444-0804 or send us a voice memo to thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's all one word, all spelled out. This episode was edited and produced by Amanda Luberto with support from me, Kaylee Monahan. 
Our news direction is by Kathy Tulamello. Episode oversight is by Kara Edgerson. Music comes from Universal Production Music. Never miss an episode of The Gaggle by subscribing to us wherever you listen. If you learned something new today, be sure to share this episode with a friend. You can also leave us a review and rate us five stars. You can follow The Gaggle on social media at AZC Podcasts. I'm at Amanda Luberto. That's L-U-B-E-R-T-O. And I'm at Kaylee Monahan. That's K-A-E-L-Y-M-O-N-A-H-A-N. The Gaggle is an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com production. Next week, The Gaggle turns its attention to this year's election cycle with a new monthly episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.